Quest moves into the Harrison household and Quest polishes Sadie's shoes. He takes out the trash. He cooks. He goes to work and does his job. And then he rubs Sadie's feet Mm -hmm. because she's been in heels all day day at his job while he could be on his lunch break. And this bitch still is like on some dumb shit. When I tell you, had that been me, all the lyrics to Cater to you would be in my Twitter bio. Like, I... <laughs> right. You would have Listen, in some dumb shit. Like... I would be quoting, like, all the whole tips, like, be his rib, sis, be his helpmate, build your man, nation build. Because on top of this, he, she's getting her back blown out every night. Everyone, this is Alex, and this is M. Welcome to the latest episode of the Good, the Bad, the Basic. This is the podcast for TV lovers, movie buffs, and binge watchers of all ages. On this podcast, we'll be discussing what we love, what we hate, and what was just a bit problematic about the TV and movies that we're addicted to, and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode bonuses, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we'll be discussing CTV's teen musical dramedy, Instant Star. Instant Star is the story of Jude Harrison, a teenage girl who's recently won a musical competition and must juggle her personal and professional lives when she is suddenly thrust into the limelight. The series navigates the highs and lows of being a teen celebrity and all the pros and cons associated with stardom. So how did this premise pan out? And what is it about Instant Star that made it so enjoyable to watch? Stay tuned. everyone so here are some details about instant star it is a dramedy comedy drama a teen drama and a musical drama it was created by linda schuyler and it aired from september 15th 2004 until june 26 2008 it lasted four seasons and a total of 52 episodes The series stars Alex Johnson as Jude Harrison, um, who also serves as the series narrator. Tim Rosen as Tommy Q, um, Tom Quincy. Laura Vandervoot as Sadie Harrison, Jude's sister. Christopher Turner as Jamie Andrews. Simon Reynolds as Stuart Harrison, Jude and Sadie's father. Jane Sowerby as Victoria Harrison, Jude and Sadie's mother. Wes Williams as Darius Mills, Mark Taylor as Quest, um, Tyler Kite as Vincent Speederman, 
and for the first season, Matthew Brown as Shay Mills. So um, a lot of these names are probably not going to be well known to American viewers. This is a CTV show, although American audiences were able to watch it on the USA network, The Noggin, or The N. Um, excuse me, which was like noggin for teenagers. So there you have it. These are all the details about the show. And I really thought this was an interesting premise and it was interesting to watch actors that I was, besides Laura Vandervoot, who was in the back half of Smallville as Clark Kent's cousin. Um, I didn't recognize, oh, and Mark Taylor, um, who was in 17 again, I didn't recognize any of these actors. So that was interesting. Yeah, um, Alex Johnson is actually um, funny enough. So if, like, you guys remember, if anybody watched So Weird, you know that, like, um, Fee on So Weird eventually leaves, and there's another girl that comes to replace Fiona. Um, Alex Johnson is the girl that, that plays uh, replaces Fiona. So it's cool to see Alex Johnson again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember watching so weird, but for the life of me, I couldn't, I couldn't remember Alex Johnson being on that show or even what her character's name was. So it was like, I'd never seen her. Same thing. (laughs) thing. Um, (laughs) I love this show, even though I don't think, even though I think there are a lot of parts of this that haven't aged. Well, I still love the show. Um, so something that we talked about when we, talked about Nashville and Gossip Girl is that the, there's this tendency with with teen television or or fiction or to punish young women who I think strive for successful or, or strive to be be successful in, a, in an area in their life that has nothing to do with like boys and I love Instant Star because the whole premise of this show is about a teen girl striving to be successful at this this thing, this uh, her career, um, and it's taken relatively seriously, and that's why, like, that's the whole premise. So that's part of why I love Instant Star. And even though there are a lot of things about Instant Star that that still don't work, I think there are enough elements that that do work that I think this show is like is still super valuable to look at. Hashtag justice for Jenny, always. Um, (laughs) But this is obviously a recurring theme. It's something that happens on television quite often. So let me get this out there. The show is problematic, and I will be bringing that up when I talk about Instant Star. But I do like it for the reasons that Alex just stated. All right, season one. It's 13 episodes. We're being introduced to our cast. Um... The very first episode is when um, Jude is announced as winner of Instant Star, which I appreciated. I didn't really need to see the whole buildup, like me jumping into the tail end of the competition. Just announce her as winner and let me see the aftermath, which I thought was really cool and probably um, the better idea, too, insofar as the show's budget is concerned. We learn really quickly that the show doesn't have that great of a budget, but it, it really does wonders with the budget that it does have. Uh, something that I think that this show does really well is that, like you said, there's no budget, but what it lacks in budget, it makes up for in writing and it writes in a really efficient and specific way, which is a credit to the show. So Jude wins Instant Star 
and she is paired with Tommy Q, um, who is a former boy band member, um, to, as like a songwriter slash producer type. Now, Jude is 15 years old and Tommy is 22 when these characters are introduced, which wouldn't be problematic, except very quickly the show pushes um, Jude and Tom as um, love interests for one another. This, the most problematic aspect of the show, is presented to us from Jump. Right. Um, she also has her best friend, Jamie, who's like um, slightly less problematic, but problematic um, still in the first couple of seasons because he is in love with Jude and he sees their friendship as a basically a way station, a rest area for the quote unquote next level and believes that she will fall in love with him too one day and comports himself accordingly. He basically friend zoned himself. He's really trying to be more than friends, but is just basically quote unquote biding his time until he can be something more than that, which is also problematic. And then we have her at the time best friend and who we see only in season one, Kat. The show basically shows tells us that she's jealous of Jude's success and uses that as a reason to basically write the character off the show, problematic number three. So these are my three issues with season one. The Jamie character is a great character, like, on its face. I like Jamie. I like that Jamie um, roots for Jude. I like that he's super supportive. He always gives, and he always gives her that support despite whatever. Jamie isn't jealous of her success. He's he's always operating from this vantage point of, and he verbalizes it of like, one day she will love me. That's the biggest problem with Jamie. I actually wouldn't hate if through the course of season one, um, her and Jamie developed like a natural, like romantic love for each other. And then that was like the culminate. And then and then she just sort of realized or figured that out at the end of the first season. In fact, I think I would have preferred that because of due to I think the choices that they that the show ends up making later. Right. Cat is I don't know. I feel like I feel bad for Cat. Um Cat sucks. Cat's like your typical sort of um just black girl on a teen show that they're here to like villainize. You're a black girl on a white teen show, so your your purpose is to like be jealous or be a villain. But um, they give Cat this interest of like being a fashion of like being into fashion, but they never do anything with it. They forget it, and it's it's just a bad choice from Jump. They should have made Cat, um, in my opinion, a the better choice would have been to make Cat also a singer. But let Kat be into, like, R&B music. Because one of the things, one of the big things that you talk about, Emma, is, like, you know, the soundtrack is, like, Judaism. She's, like, a pop rock girl. She's, like, uh, Avril Lavigne, Sky Sweet and Emma. It's very early 2000s. Um, er, and Which is fine, because, like, that sound had a huge moment in the early 2000s. R&B also had, like, a really huge moment in the early 2000s. The sort of uh, pop R&B market. There's no reason why Kat um couldn't have been uh, a singer as well but instead of being into pop rock she would her sound would be um r&b like pop r&b right and this would have worked because um 
Barbara Mamabolo, who plays Cat, is actually a singer. So, um, and you know, she's she's singing um, live and she's singing with a band like right now. So there was no reason to not do that. Um, as far as her interest in fashion, I don't even know if, if that they forgot her interest in fashion. The show itself was just not interested in it because like almost every other episode, season one, the only season we saw Cap, she would talk about her fashion and she'll talk about her upcoming fashion show. But the show itself truly didn't give a fuck. Like there's an episode where Jamie ditches her, um, her fashion show to be there for Jude. And instead of showing us that she's at her fashion show, they show they show Kat waiting outside for Jamie to come back. So right. they care they cared more about this perspective um romance between her and Jamie than they actually cared about her. Um, which is honestly worse than her forgetting her own interests is that the show doesn't care about her interests. The Jamie character was fine. I thought that he was a less offensive version of the Xander Harris character. He was the Xander to Jude's Buffy. You know, Xander was always super supportive of her as a slayer, but he was also like kind of biding his time and waiting in the wings type of situation. I didn't think that Kat and Jamie made sense. I really think that the the, the writers wrote in that relationship so that... Um, to, to like basically be like the impetus of Jude and Kat's relationship fracturing. It made more sense, like you said, if they had mutually come together and started dating at the end of season one, which kind of sort of happens. Or if um, they got together by the end of the series, I would have liked to see that. And um, if Shay Mills had been her season one and season two boyfriend. Right. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about... Um, but there, um, and before, and like, we're going to talk about Shay like in two seconds, but before we do things in season one that like, I like that I think the show does well, that I think, um, is really compelling besides the fact that like Tommy is like a creeper. Um, I do like this sort of vision of like the relationship between like the producer and like the artist. I think that's interesting. I like that, um, something else I like the show. I like that they let Jude fail. Or in the in that Jude has an and I like that Jude has a natural inclination to music, but she's not that great at it yet. Um, something that I think a bunch of teen shows, particularly like teen shows that star white girls do, the and that they've been doing in the past couple of years is that like there's this sort of like they're um, they're instantly amazing at everything the first time they try. That's not the case with Jude. You know, Jude plays that song. Uh, what will eventually be 24 hours. And Tommy tells her that she sucks. <laughs> like, he's like, it's not good yet. <laughs> like, you got to work at it. But it, it'll get there. But, like, there's something here. There's something here. and But it's not. It's not where you want it to be. And I like, I really like that part. I like that she, I like that they just show Jude doing the work. Right? That that is such a, and that, and Jude doing the work, Jude working towards it, Jude sort of really working at writing these songs and like getting these songs right and recording them will be such a huge aspect of the show. I like Sadie. Sadie's great. Sadie is Jude's older sister. Um, and we'll we'll talk about her. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, I liked I like what you mentioned about Jude having to work at it. The show also tells us like it, like it, various episodes that like you know Jude's been into music from a very young age before Instant Star was ever a competition, and um, you know there's an episode where they show you her dad taking her to the music store on her birthday to get her her first guitar when she was like nine or ten. So she's been playing her instrument for many many years as well. It's not like she picked up her first guitar when she was fifteen years old and started making beautiful music. I also like the show shows how um, Jude's stardom and her sort of going on this journey, like, takes um, in her really being an artist and this thing sort of being for real, particularly at such a young age, is a strain on Sadie, but it's also a strain on, like, her parents' marriage. I'm not going to use Jude's success as a reason for her dad being a cheating a- cheating ass cheater. But we do see a lot of that strain where her mom is concerned, right? Um, season one, some of the major plot points, there's this Tommy issue, gross. So again, Jude is 15 and Tommy's 22 when they meet. So every season, Jude has a birthday, which was kind of jarring for me because the seasons are only like 13 episodes long. And when you watch him in, you know, the whole series in sequential order, it feels like this bir- this girl has a birthday every other week. <laughs> I guess the episodes were stretched out a bit more <laughs> when they aired. But but because I watched it the way that I did, it felt like they were, like, like rapidly trying to advance her aging to make this Tommy Q thing less gross than it, what it was. Especially since absolutely no one else's birthday was celebrated on the show ever. Not Tommy, not Sadie, not Jamie, just Jude's birthdays. So, um, yeah, that was interesting. Um, unfortunately, the Tommy Q dynamic and their will they, won't they, and the romance between them is like an undercurrent in every single episode and every single season. It's kind of exhausting. In season one, um, Sadie and Tommy actually start dating, which was really gross. It kind of was reminiscent of what Deacon did with Juliet in season one of Nashville, like dating her because he couldn't be with Raina. Like, he couldn't be with Jude because Jude's underage. So he settled for her sister, Sadie, who's 18 years old at the series open. Um, It was just very, very gross. We already knew that Sadie was headed for a heartbreak, and I didn't like it. Right, which sucked. Jude does get like a an age appropriate boyfriend in Shay. Shay is um Darius, aka Canadian Diddy. <laughs> that's that's essentially who he is. Um Shay is a, a Canadian Diddy's nephew, um, who is like a f- extremely famous rapper. And um and this is and how they write Shay and actually how they establish Shay being famous is oh, what I mean when I say the show does like a really good job writing in the writing, making up for the budget. And it's in and it's in very small ways. Cause like when we meet Shay, um everybody can everybody quotes his like song back to him, which I feel is like a really <laughs> legit thing. Um, even Kat, Kat quotes, she doesn't quote it to him, but she quotes it to Jude before we even see Shay, which when you think about it, that is a real thing. Like you probably, I'm sure there are people who are like, go, like if they see 50 Cent, they're like, go shoddy, it's your birthday. <laughs> like, so I actually really liked that because like, oh yeah, that's real. That that feels super real and that feels really smart. And I like that. But Shay is age appropriate and 
and he's extremely famous and, and Jude sort of like, you know, busts his balls a bit and he's into it because she, she doesn't necessarily care that he's, he's as famous as he is. In fact, he, Shay serenades her at like this nightclub or whatever. It's awkward to watch Tommy, who is a grown man, like be jealous over like uh, Jude's super age appropriate boyfriend. <laughs> Oh, yes. Can we talk about it? Like, the way Tommy talks to... Well, he can't talk directly to Shay that way because, again, Shay is Darius's nephew. Um, But we see the jealousy, and then we see it in full force when he talks to Jamie. It's very, like like treating Jamie like a competitor. Like he knows Jamie's into Jude and he knows he's, his ass is too grown to be with Jude. But like the way he talks to Jamie is in session seasons one and two is like someone talking to a rival. It's disgusting. It does not hit. And like, I mean, I guess like at the time, like at the time it hit, but now watching it back, you're just like, Oh, make this stop. This is horrible. (laughs) I don't know if it hit at the time. Cause I remember at this around like a year after this show aired vampire diaries aired and i thought that like stefan and elena's relationship was super weird i don't know what y'all doing in canada but it's not okay <laughs> oh no like i mean I remember this tommy jude relationship was like extremely popular like i remember because i remember i was like on the fan boards and stuff like people bought it it's sort of like in this looking back at it that you're like and I think now that, like, we're smarter and trying to be more responsible about these things that I'm looking at and I'm like, ugh, this is this is a no. And it's lame because Tommy's not exactly wrong. Shay is sort of, like, trying to pull one over on Jude, which we see in, like, full force later. It's not even bad that, like, Tommy tries to, like, warn Jude, like, hey, like, you like Shay, but um, that's kind. That could really end up being a mess for you. But because it's like in the text of like a romantic rival, it, it's it's gross rather than like a like a brother or like a, a just like a friend figure, like an older brother figure. Like the show tries to portray Tommy's feelings for Jude is something that he is wrestling with because he knows it's wrong. And that doesn't make it any better. Cause if you yeah. truly thought it was wrong, you would get her a new producer. Yeah. Like, and that's what, I guess that's what's awkward about it. Rewatching the show now is that like, clearly somebody understood that like this premise was fucked up, but like nobody made the necessary moves to change it <laughs> like or to change right. the, the cohesion of it. Like, and there were a lot of options there to change it, which is unfortunate. Let's talk a bit about um, Jude's dad in this side hoe. That is so... Ooh. Yo, my man starts cheating on his wife with the travel agent, you guys. Like, 10 points for originality, I guess. But um, when he's caught cheating by, by Sadie, um, like, he sees her flirting she denies it then she sees like this love note that she put that this girl wrote in the pages of a travel magazine for him he also denies it saying that it's a joke then um she sees this woman touching him um right before um a debate team um what do they call it well i guess a debate um um and she's on the school debate team she sees him flirting and touching right before them 
But basically, Stuart Harrison was lying his fucking ass off. Because it's in my notes. I'm like, this side hoe is bold. I'm like... <laughs> she's, she's bold. Like, like she, she, I'm like, she, my note is like, she really didn't show up to Sadie's job to plead her case. Like, what? <laughs> like, right, what? Right, right. It's super bold. Um, it's super gross. And Sadie, to her credit, she's 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 a good sister, honestly. Like, I have a lot of love for Sadie. She knows all of this is going on. She knows Jude is under a lot of pressure. pressure. So she originally intended to tell Jude, but then changed her mind. And Stuart's just as bold as Yvette, the side hoe, because um, when the girls are out of town, he brings this woman to their house. Like, does she not have her own house? Why would you bring your side piece to your house where your children live just because your wife's out of town for the weekend? Um, Jude catches him. Jude's dad needed to take his hoe to a hotel. That's why they call it a hotel where you can conduct <laughs> hoe behavior. <laughs> so, Listen, for our audience. <laughs> it's Canada. Season one, I think, tests a lot of people. It definitely tests Sadie. It tests Tommy. It tests Kat. Kat essentially bows out. Um, Sadie passes the test, and Tommy fails tremendously. Um, the, only, <laughs> the only really great character we meet in season one is Quest, whom I love. Yes. So we meet Quest, who is... Um, Quest is an engineer, a uh, budding producer, and... Tommy's sort of BFF, and he is so pure. All Quest wants to do is, you know, be really nice and be really sweet and love somebody the way they deserve to be loved, do his job, and then go home. Which, yeah, Quest doesn't have ulterior motives. It's amazing. Sadie starts dating Tommy. It doesn't work out. And after she, it doesn't work out with Tommy, she starts dating Quest, who is, like, super sweet, and she does it, like, I think to try to get a rise out of Tommy, but Tommy doesn't really care because he's hung up on her little sister, which, like, should be enough for her to just, like, be done. And then she sort of realizes that she does like this guy for for who he is, which she should have because he's, he's really nice and he's really good to her. Jude and Shay break up, but season one ends with... Shay comes back and Shay is like missing her and he's like hey I'm doing this huge European tour Shay is like I miss you come on the tour be my opening act and even then I don't even think he says like let's work it out he's just like you know as a sorry as a makeup for everything come be the opening act on my tour um which is a huge deal. And she turns it down. Right. And this kid is like a major headliner. Like they, the way they frame his career is that like, it was a combination of like little Bow Wow and Usher in their peak. Peak. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, and you want that when you're a new artist, you want to open for a major headliner with, with a long reach and a big tour. But, um, and, you know, Shay doesn't even involve any strings in it. He's like, listen, I know I did you wrong and you're a talented artist. You deserve to go on a bigger tour because that little that little club tour that they've got you on, that's not going to do shit for you. Um, at the same time, Jamie comes into the picture, finally declares his feelings, which I thought was nice. Keeping them to himself and like basically like like, you know, alert, like pining, um, you know, behind the scenes was not working for me. And. 
things are bad with Tommy. And every time things are bad with Tommy, she runs to somebody else. So um, they kiss her and Jamie and she decides not to go on Shay's tour, which is what we realize when she comes home in season two, she didn't go on Shay's tour, which was stupid. Um, probably the dumbest decision she ever made for the entire run of the show. Yeah. City goes to Europe, um, which the Shay tour, both Jamie and Tommy like sabotage her with that, by the way, both of them are like, girl, don't go. It's like, they do. They what? do. Shut up. And this is why you ultimately can't get behind either Jamie or Tommy, which the show will try to get you behind. Um, I think the show tries to get you behind Jamie at the last minute, but they don't build it properly. So what do we think of season one? Good, bad, or basic? (sighs) Season one is... That's a very good question. In the pro column, season one will essentially set up everything that needs to be set up to take us through the next four seasons, which is always... Which, listen, not everybody can do that. (laughs) Um, So in that pro but like it's a con in that the the big problems in season one will never get fixed they will also follow us throughout all four seasons so i don't know where to come down on it i but i want to put it like on the higher end i think i want to put it on the higher end of basic yeah it's um This season one is really hard for me because like you said, the problems in season one continue for the duration of the series, Um, except for Kat, who we never see again. Um, It's sad. It's really sad. It's really Um, sad. There was a lot of, there were a lot of opportunities to bring Kat back into the fold in later seasons and it just doesn't happen. Um, Which we'll talk about. And their, their, their relationship is essentially fractured because Kat is jealous. Which which is is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm not even mad at the Tommy Q character. I think having like this former boy band member be working as a songwriter producer is actually a good, like realistic arc of, of a character of a person in the music industry. But the Tom and Jude romance is absolute garbage. And that's the reason why I have to give season one a basic same. Um, yeah, I feel that. I, yeah, I actually really like the Tommy character. I like, and I like his entire arc. The, the, the one thing about the Tommy character that does not work is this like Tommy Jude romance, Tommy Jude romance. That's, that's the thing about the character that just doesn't work. Um, he should have always been this sort of like friend, older, big brother figure. Uh, right. had that been the idea from jump, um, that would have worked. Um, and, and that, and that truly would have fixed everything. Cause then you can still have, um, as we're about to discuss, you can still have Jamie be romantically and you can still have J- Jamie and, uh, Jude be romantically linked you can still have jude and speederman be romantically linked uh which we're going to talk about eventually now in season two um and you can still have shay right you still have all these like boys rotating in and out of her life um all that still works if tommy is uh is just um is is like an older brother big big brother figure to her um in terms of cat 
I really wish, listen, I get it. Like they, gosh, they just hate black girls so much. Um, yeah, Kat should have just been an R&B singer. And if they, and if they had Kat and they didn't like Kat or like there were scheduling conflicts, I think the, the smart decision would have been to have Kat be an R&B singer, have her sort of coming up with Jude, right? Because maybe after Jude wins Instant Star, because after Jude wins Instant Star, we see that Jamie gets to be at G major all the time, right? Like Jude is mm-hmm. his in. And uh, Jude could have been Kat's in as well, right? Except mm-hmm. it would have been great to see Kat working with, and we could have had like Kat working with Quest, right? Mm-hmm. A lot. And her and Quest like working on all this like music and working really hard together. And then when Jude rejects the tour, Kat gets in there and is like, hey, it's me. Right. And then maybe Shay takes her on tour regardless. And then you could have written her out that way. And um, with her go, with Kat going on tour with Shay and then becoming like this international, you know, contender and superstar, you could have, there's still an opportunity to bring her back if you needed her. Because I think later on in the series, this show does introduce characters and people that like weren't necessary. Right. Just axing the character entirely just felt so, so disingenuous. Like, yeah, I didn't even care about that girl at all. Right. And it's, and it's part of a larger trend and a larger problem of, and we've discussed this, of these white centric shows just like axing these black female characters, just really disposing of them. Season two picks up. We come back with, Jude has been on this tour, this small club tour across Canada. Um, they show the cities and they're, they're Canadian cities. <laughs> um, because, and I know that because they all sign, look kind of French um, and I don't really recognize them. And they call it a North American tour. So I'm assuming it's just Canada. And she's touring with uh, the Speederman Mind Explosion, which is a band that Jamie managed. Jamie manages and, and found on his own. So at least Jamie has skills. Jamie's helpful. (laughs) And she gets home to, you know, get ready to work on a new record. He's doing shit, right? He's making shit happen. Like he's a real A&R guy now. And, um, we also meet back up with Sadie. So in episode 13 of season one, when she broke up with Tommy, he actually went to her and begged her forgiveness and begged to go to Italy with her. But um, she tells us how um, he only spent a week with her in Italy and left her to backpack through Europe alone. Trap. Darius's sister slash Tommy's ex-wife, Portia, is Tommy's like supervisor, new supervisor. And she and Quest get real close, which also takes an ugly turn later on. We're going to talk about it in season three. She clocks um, later on when Quest expresses interest in Sadie. And then in like episode seven, when they start dating, that Sadie might not be completely over Tommy. At least initially, Portia seems like a real one. Because she's like, listen, like, you are... And because... You know, Quest is like, I don't know, like, why she doesn't like me. Like, maybe it's me. Portia's like, Portia's like, no, Sadie is on some real dumb, dumb bitch mm. juice shit. Like, 
You remember people's birthdays. You're sweet. You're kind. You're thoughtful. You are not the problem. She is the problem. (laughs) Right. And she doesn't even say, like, Sadie's a problem. Because in her conversations with Sadie, she straight up tells Sadie, like, listen, Tommy Q is no one to be um, crying tears over. Like, Quest is a good guy. Get it the fuck together. In another life, maybe portion Quest would have hooked up. But no. Yeah. Um, All I got to say about Portia is when you see how they, like, they do her so dirty, like, it's assassination nation with her character. In season two, episode eight, we see a very familiar face. A face uh, that we haven't seen in a long time. Mr. Aubrey. Aubrey Graham. Drake. Mm -hmm. Shows up to hang out because he was on Degrassi and Instant Star came on after Degrassi. Uh, So he's there to hang and he does like this little and he has a featured part. He's like a a whole little part. He does like a little he is gross, though. He does like this casting couch situation, which when I watched the episode, I was like, I bet you he still does this. This is like probably still a move. (laughs) Mm. Listen, I, I didn't want to say it, but girl, <laughs> listen, I absolutely believe that what happened on this episode of Instant Star was not acting. <laughs> like, like if you told me that like a writer wrote that purposely and the writer just wrote it to be shady, like that would give me everything and I would believe it. Also see Stacy Farber, aka Ellie from Degrassi, as herself. Herself, yeah. They come um, in to give like Jude like an award. By this time, Jude and Speederman are dating proper. Um he's right. And her he, and Jamie lasted like two weeks when she got home from tour. <laughs> listen, Jude runs to Jamie when she's feeling like insecure, which is like, I mean, one of the better, I think, characterizations of the show. Like, shout out to the writers, I guess. Jude runs to Jamie whenever she needs like unconditional like love and support. That's what Jamie is there for. For Jude. <laughs> feeling like the ground is shifting beneath her. She runs to Jamie to make it all okay. Speederman's, um, like, before they start dating, he's just, like, your typical insecure asshole. But then, like, once they start dating, he he gets, like, legitimate reasons for that insecurity in the form of Tommy. Like, before he was just jealous of his fellow bandmates, which was ridiculous. But then, like, he saw, like, the shit between her and Tommy. And there's even an episode where, like, her and Tommy get locked in a room together on her 17th birthday, episode 9. And, like, th- like, like... Vince and Jamie are trying to get into the room and they basically like, you know, walk in on her sleeping on, on top of, of Tommy, which was really, really cringe. And like, he basically calls her out and he's like, do you really want to be with me? Like, is this what you want? And he has like the integrity to leave the relationship. Um, I want to say my one of my favorite episodes of season two was episode one, where Darius wanted you to cover his favorite song, Stupid Girl by Garbage. Um, one of my favorite songs. Like, that song got me through middle school, you guys. And Jude tries to be a little diva about it, but she learns very quickly that sometimes when you're in the music industry, you're going to have to make performances and appearances and sing shit that you don't necessarily want to to keep your label happy to get what you want. Yeah, my specific note about that whole situation is, bitch, just sing the cover song. (laughs) Yes, it's not hard. The song is less than four minutes. Also, she's 
she's just dumb. Like, she's being really silly about it. Like, because when you put it into perspective, she was allowed to co-write practically by herself her entire first record. That never happens. She was allowed to um, tour most of her own stuff on tour with doing no covers. That also, like, never happens. She's been allowed to... She's pulled a lot of diva shit before, and they've kind of accommodated her. This is the first time they're actually asking her to do something out of the norm. Girl, like, you better go sing that cover song and be happy. (laughs) Right. I think that's what's, like, the worst about it, is that, like, she's been relatively, like, privileged as an artist to sort of have a lot of artistic freedom, really, to do what she wants. She's been allowed to dictate her own sound. That is virtually completely unheard of. And they haven't really altered her sound in a in a, in a huge, significant way uh, to stuff that's not her liking. Sing the cover song, girl. What are you doing? Right. You They're not asking you to record this for your album. Album. It's literally for, a, for an afternoon party. On a yacht. Like, with free drinks. Girl, you better get on, you better get on Canadian Diddy's yacht and sing that song. This is something the show did that was, like, kind of brilliant but also kind of annoying they kind of put Darius in a lot of ways as like Jude's like standing in Jude's way like Jude's own personal villain but at the same time an adult or anyone who just knows anything about the music industry knows that what he nothing he's doing is outside of the norm and he's actually like you said quite accommodating several times in my notes like all my notes are like Darius gives really great advice Jude needs to listen to Darius more. Like, that is consistent in my notes about all these seasons. Like, he's actually really smart. Because, I mean, you call him Canadian Diddy is a joke, but, like, the real tea, if he was really Diddy, he would have dropped her ass so fast. <laughs> he would have. <laughs> Somebody will send you your luggage. <laughs> yeah, basically. Something I want to talk about super quick. In season two, Tommy and Jude are on, like, you know, are on their bullshit, like they always are. And... To the point where Jude feels like she can't work with Tommy. So Quest, before it was just an engineer, uh, becomes her producer. Um, Quest produces Jude for a bit. And uh, let me say something. Everybody just, nobody appreciates Quest. Like, Quest is so good to people and nobody appreciates him. Jude ain't shit because, like, it was an upgrade of the highest upgrades. Mm. So Speak on it. Speak on it. Um... <laughs> 10 season 2 episode 10 he doesn't talk down to her like he's pushing her to be better and not only that he's He's not trying to fuck her he's not trying to have sex with her he's letting her co-produce her own record quest is like hey like what what mics do you want to like which mic do you want to record with you you can pick and jude is even like i'm allowed to pick like what and I'm like, look at quest out here helping uh old girl build her production skills letting her have a say we love to see it we love to see it and this and this and what does this bitch do she goes running straight back to tommy oh i hate it i hated it so much and this is another thing that i hated not just because quest is all the things you just said but the driving force behind her behaviors where tommy is concerned is always the fact that jude loves tommy i'm not going to minimize her feelings or whatever But I will say that this could have been handled better if Jude had come into the picture having these feelings for Tommy and then Tommy immediately shut it down. Jude's feelings for Tommy are encouraged even when they're not dating because he is 
jealous of potential suitors. He's possessive of her. And he allows her to believe that there is something between them. So like this infatuation is fueled by him, even if he's quote unquote, not crossing the line, he's crossing the line. Right. It's, um, he could have shut it down and baby girl could have moved on with her life. Really. If he was really about something, (laughs) really, if he was about something and to the show's credit, they do. I think they address at least to, like, Jude always spiraling out when Tommy is on, like, his fuckboy shit, which he is constantly. Like, the show does address it at the end of season two. So let's talk really quickly about Jude's mom taking her money and then bouncing. Oh, um, on the episode, um, she thinks her mom took her money, but it was really Sadie running up her money. And then Sadie's like, I'll get a job and pay you back. Her mom just left left. Yeah, she she abandoned her kids for some dude who I guess didn't want to date a single mother. And she's like, listen, I don't have to. I don't really have to be with these kids. They almost grown. <laughs> <laughs> They're almost so grown. Ugly. Um, she basically just abandons her family. And this is where, um, you know, after the mom leaves, Sadie... Episode 11, Sadie comes clean and admits that she's the one who used up all of Jude's money and promises to pay her back. And she starts working as a receptionist for G Major Records in episode 12. So Sadie, you know, had definite lapses in judgment and definitely just went on a shopping binge when things between her and Tommy were over for good and um, basically abused um, Jude's trust. But she does work to gain it back. And I really like that Sadie has to do this sort of like penance right it's not something that's just swept under the rug that you just stole a bunch of money from your sister (laughs) right (laughs) so i misspoke when we were reviewing season one season one was not the last we saw of cat cat and jude actually had their friendship breakup season two episode five and this is after cat acts out and tries to kiss jude well not tried kissed jude's dad at a movie premiere to make jude jealous and upset and that's when she finally admits that she's jealous beyond all reason and they break up and we never see jude we never see cat again after season two episode five the strange character assassinations and villainizations of black girls will be a theme on this show right to be real episode five is also when we learn like a bit more of the tommy character we we find out that he only has like a seventh grade education which is interesting (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, he got pissed drunk, and he shows up at at their house to talk to Sadie, and Sadie's like, listen, sleep it off, and he's, like, rambling about how, um, you know, his past and stuff. And we get more glimpses into Tommy's past from season two onward. They actually develop him a bit more, but it's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't strike the right chord because I believe that they're just trying to endear him to us. And we're, we're, we've already crossed that bridge. Right. So um, you loved, like, the music in Nashville. And the way that you love the music in Nashville is the way that I love the music on this show. The songwriting is top tier. The sound is very nostalgic. It's very, like, early 2000s pop rock. But I love a lot of the songs on um, the show. And so in episode 12, we get, like, my... We come to, like, the first of my... Uh, and I'll just probably just do this throughout the episode. Um, we come to the first of one of my favorite, one of my favorite songs uh, in the series. And that is like White Lines. It's great. It's a great song. You should listen to it. It's on YouTube. Oh, yeah. All of these songs are. And you already know, like, 
we got them together for you, honey. I got them together in one spot for everybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so there is going to be an instant star playlist, you guys. No fears. Um, no fears. I, I loved a lot of the music on the show, actually. White Lines is one of my favorites as well. It's one that she wrote when she was on tour. And it's basically yeah. about the white lines in the road, as you know, on that she's seeing from the tour bus. She also wrote a song with Speederman called um, "Anyone But You," which I really love. Um, Darius was saying the song didn't hit, and I was like, "Why is Darius saying the song don't hit? Like it sounds good." But I was watching the song on one point five speed, right? So, and it sounded amazing. So I put, the, I I replayed the whole episode on like regular speed. And it sounded better on 1.5 speed. So that's <laughs> that's that's a suggestion for everyone. Listen to anyone but you on 1.5 speed. It's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah, that is a the anyone but you song is really really great. It's like her and Spiderman's song. Um, but then unfortunately, uh, on the same episode where we hear white lines is the same episode that Spiderman and and Jude break up. Yeah. And I think like, that the whole nobody but them liking anyone but you was a foreshadow to the breakup. <laughs> right? <laughs> the fact that they were the only people that liked that song, I think, was like a foreshadow. But Jude's sound is really great. Alex Johnson can actually fucking sing. Bonus. Um, she can play an instrument. She writes the music on the show or the songs that Jude sings on the show anyway. Um, her sound kind of sounds like a mashup of a Hope Partlow, a Leslie Roy, Avril Lavigne, Cheyenne, Sky Sweetnam, and even a little bit of Ashley Simpson. Um, um, I was... When I went into the show, I thought she was going to sound like maybe like an Aslan meets Mandy Moore. But this 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 uh, amalgamation of all these other really popular um, and very young, you know, early 2000s pop rock girls was actually a really great sound. And I fuck with a lot of these artists that I just named. Like I listen to all of them still. So um, knowing that the songs are actually well written and didn't sound like super corny was a huge relief for me <laughs> going into the show. Yeah. So one of the big things that I think Instant Star does really, really well is they got like an actress who can actually sing. <laughs> um, uh, <coughs> Connie well, I know Connie. <coughs> Connie. <coughs> Connie. That's everybody. Tim Rosen can actually sing. Alex Johnson, who does the bulk of the singing, can actually sing. Alex Johnson is still a musician now. Um, she doesn't, for the most part, from what I see, like she doesn't even really act anymore. She primarily is just like an indie artist. Shout out to UCTV. You did that. Like, definitely. So many people have failed. You succeeded. I'm so proud of y'all. On God. Oh, and of course, I have to mention, like, my first, like, favorite song off the show was in season one, the Waste My Time um, duo with um, with Jude and Shay is a bop. Great song. Um, and Shay actually has flow. Like, he's not one of those, like, rappers, you know, quote-unquote rapper characters that you put on a show that has, like, no flow, no style, no swag. Yeah. Jude tells Tommy that White Lines is about him, ill, and they kiss again ill mason who is like another um talent goes on tour jude doesn't go with him she's just like you know working on this album um quest finally asks sadie out um after you know showing great interest in her from a you know very early on since like probably around season one we also meet this um character 
Patsy in season two as well. Patsy's a great character that we meet from season one, season two to season three. And she is played by, now I don't know if her name is pronounced Zoe or Joie, but either Zoe or um, Joie Palmer plays um, Patsy Sewer. They they compare her to Janis Joplin, which is true insofar as her vocals, but like her style is more like a Courtney Love. And, right. and um, she, she's a great artist as well. You'll recognize her. Um, she is in Lost Girl. She's in a bunch of like other Canadian TV joints. She's very, very familiar. Patsy is another one of Jamie's artists that he's he's found. And Patsy is actually like not that stable, which we'll come to talk about next season even more so. Patsy and Jamie start dating slash hooking up. And it's the first time that Jamie, like, becomes, like, tolerable is when he is, like, hooking up with Patsy. Yeah, they start dating in season three. Another relationship that's weird because she's an adult and he's still a minor. But this show really don't care about that kind of thing. (laughs) Does not care. Bigger, the big tipping point at the end of season two is that... Tommy's supposed to be somewhere and he's not. And um, Jude spirals. Jude goes to meet up with Mason on tour and... She gets drunk at a bar, um, or specifically, this guy keeps buying her drinks and encouraging her to drink. And then she gets drunk, and he takes pictures of her while she's drunk. Um, so, which I thought was actually a very realistic um, um, showcase of what happens to young girls and celebrities, right? When when um, you lose control in public spaces, because there's always some parasite willing to exploit the situation, right? Subsequently, everything that happens, happens. Season 2, episode 13 also marks my next favorite song. Probably my favorite, favorite song throughout the run of the series, which is uh, There's Us. Great song. Uh, Yeah, that is a really good song. It ended up being covered by your favorites. Yeah, the Backstreet Boys covered it. um, Because I remember that being like a bonus track on one of their albums. And you're like there's a song on here that the Backstreet Boys covered. I'm like, which one is it? And I'm like running through their discography in my head. I'm like, it's got to be the bonus track, right? Because like they didn't really do bonus tracks on the rest of their albums. Um, But um, it's a, it's a really well-written song. It's not my favorite from Instant Star. Like I have, I have other favorites. Um, I thought that would be my favorite when it first started playing. Cause I'm a, I'm a big fan of ballads, but I have like another favorite that you, that shall be illuminated. Illuminated <laughs> later. later. I'm going um, to find out. Um, yeah. But so, it's it's a really great song. And season two ends, you know, in this really precarious situation for Jude. Um, but what were your thoughts on season two? Good, bad, or basic? You know, <laughs> if we put aside this prevailing Tommy Jude drama that they insist on, I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I actually think it's good and better than, um, season one. And the reason why I say it's better is because, um, the bulk of her, like, romantic interests in season two were Speederman. She went on tour without Tommy, and then Tommy left town. Like, pretty much any time Judas Tommy free is a good time for me. Like, that's just the way that it is. Um, so... Let's just go into uh, season three. Season three, also 13 episodes. And um, Jude is a guest. 
on one of the episodes of the new season of Instant Star, and everything's going well, but then oh. the pictures come back to haunt her. Yes. Oh. So this is it. When the blackmail comes in, in the form of the pictures, which thankfully were not nude photos, Darius is like, I'll handle it. Because Darius handles shit. When they initially, when the blackmail initially happens, um, the guy wants $10,000, and Sadie comes through with the facts of like, why are you paying $10,000? You're not even naked. <laughs> like, what's the point? <laughs> listen, like, I'm glad somebody said it because you, there's so many ways she could have spun that. She would have been like, listen, I took some sleeping pills because I had a long day. And this guy just snuck into my room and took these pictures of me sleeping. I drunk where? I wasn't drunk. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, there's so many ways he could have spun this shit. Like, come on. Yeah, it's like, your boobs aren't out. Like, you're not... Like, it's not like you're having sex with him. Like, please, please, please. Because I guess at this time, like, it was still... And the show will, like, sort of remark on this uh, in this very episode is, like, what's interesting about this story is is it talks to this idea of, like, female artists really needing to be, like, pure in the public's eyes, whatever that means to be pure, because that's such a relative like even that within itself doesn't mean anything uh, also in episode one we'll we'll meet karma mm-hmm. who was the newest instant star winner karma will run this sort of gag on jude in that like when they're in the press conference together karma's like i'm a virgin unlike jude or like well she doesn't say unlike jude but she says i'm a virgin and then she implies that jude isn't Right. And she, 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 the delivery is flawless. Like this is a masterclass in shade. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> first she, she, she opens with this glowing compliment, compliment and praise of Jude as an artist, and then just slides that in on the tail end. Um, flawless delivery. Um, that's an episode two in so doing. And basically, implying that Jude isn't sexually pure, hashtag patriarchy, she ends up replacing Jude um, for a bar mitzvah gig, um, which Jude didn't even want to do in the first place. So when she realized she's been replaced by karma, she, she decides to act up. Um, And that's a funny, that's a funny episode. That's a really funny episode. That's also the episode we learned where karma's not a virgin because she's fucking Speederman. Right. Jamie also, you know it's bad when Jamie's out here serving hard truths, too. Because <laughs> Jamie also tells Jude, like, her breaking down and not wanting to perform every time Tommy does some new fuckboy thing is not the wave. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know it's bad. He tells bad, her to grow up. Yeah, he tells her to grow up. He's like, what are you going to do? Are you just going to always do this? And I was like, damn, that's real. Listen, and he shouldn't have even been in a position to say that, right? Like, I feel like... Other people gave her like similar kernels, nuggets here and there, and she just in one ear and out the other. Darius was trying to keep it real with that girl, but she wasn't listening either. Uh, let's talk about let's talk about Patsy. Yeah, gone too soon. In episode four, Patsy goes to the big rock concert in the sky. And credit to the show, but also like fuck this show. The show like really takes the time to mourn Patsy. The next two episodes will be consumed with everybody dealing with Patsy's death and grieving. And they take two whole episodes to to, to address Patsy. <sighs> Pat, it's, like, lame that, like, Patsy can get this, like, really thoughtful send-off, even though she wasn't really particularly a part of their lives for that long. But then, like, people like Kat and her mom are just sort of... 
kicked to the wayside. That's frustrating. It is. But, like, but I guess I want to give credit to the show because I guess it's like these will be the sort of like after school specially type episodes because Patsy was suffering from like a substance abuse issue. Yeah, there was lots of drugs and a lot of alcohol in her life. And Patsy, throughout her run on the series, alluded to a very terrible childhood. And, you know, before her death, also alluded to feelings of inadequacy. Um, She talked about her brother, who was also a substance abuser, and how he was, quote, the real musician in the family. Patsy had a lot of pain and a lot of demons. And, you know, at this point, she and... Jamie are together and her and Jude are really close friends. She was actually crashing with Jude in the tail end of her downward spiral. And um, so they're both very, very affected by it. Darius wants to release her record um, in memoriam, but the packaging, um, some of the production and just the media around it doesn't reflect Patsy as a person and Jude's not with it. But, you know, he he also plans a benefit concert for homeless teens, which Patsy used to be, a homeless teenager. Everybody kind of grieves in their own way. Um, There's this really cool sequence when they try to steal Patsy's ashes to do like a bonfire by the beach and they can't get in and no one gets the key cards. And eventually Vince um, manages to get the ashes. At the end of the episode, we we learn that Darius is the one who gave him the key card to get the ashes in the first place. Basically, pretending he doesn't know what's going on, but he <laughs> gave he gave Vince the key card, which I thought was like a really really cool moment. Like Darius is not a cold hearted man; he's a businessman. There's a difference. Just, Jamie blames Jude uh, for Patsy's death and his grief. Tommy of all people, will end up having, like, a good perspective on on Patsy in that, like, because Jude then begins to blame herself, and then she sort of blames Jamie as well. Um, And Tommy kind of says, like, it's no one's fault. Like, she was always going to do what she was going to do, and, and, you know, that's just the way it is. You, You can, like, try to help people with addiction and who struggle with addiction, but ultimately, like, they have to make the choice of whether they're going to get better or not, which is what's, which is really hard. Yeah. It's, um, so it's it's heavy. It is heavy. Um, it's crazy. So this episode in particular, episode seven, Jude and Tommy take a road trip to find recording locations. And it's so skeevy because like you can see him literally counting down the days till she turns 18 because she's going to turn 18 this season. Yeah, Darius and Tommy essentially have an exchange about this. And Darius is like, to Tommy, like, don't have sex with Jude. She is only 17. Tommy responds, she's 18 in one week. Then I can do whatever I want to do. Ew. <laughs> I just throw up in my mouth. <laughs> um, yeah, so listen, um, we've probably, like, touched on things like grooming um, before, but this, if Jude and Tommy's relationship is good for anything, it's basically textbook grooming. Grooming doesn't necessarily imply that molestation is going on, but more like a psychological long play. Like you're playing the long game, getting this person when they're young and in their formative years, while they're still a minor, basically so you can have quote unquote first dibs once they become legal. So they go on this road trip for like recording locations because they want to like do something fun with, I guess, her new record. And 
Tommy essentially like takes Jude to meet the equivalent of of his mother. Not his actual real mother, but like the emotional equivalent. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, his mother's still in the the picture, but they they don't have a good relationship, so he meet, he takes her to like the all-girls boarding school where like the woman who helped him when he was released from juvie where she works. Um she works at a, a girls boarding school and she even gives him the key to the headmistress's bathroom which he says has like amazing acoustics. But then they like bring in this hunter character. Remember that shit? I um, I my note was like it's a dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so they kept alluding to this this Angie character, right? And yeah. so we, they bring in her older brother, Hunter, who blames Tommy for what happened to his sister. Tommy also blames himself for what happened to Angie. Um, it's a whole thing. And then what do we do to get Tommy off the hook? He, A, saves Jude's life from Hunter. And then, B, we learn that Portia's the one who cut the brakes on Tommy's car, and which led to Angie's um, death. So nothing is really Tommy's fault. He's the knight in shining armor. Shining armor. And like, ugh. Ugh. and what's ugly about this plot is that like, once again, like a black girl is like sacrificed is like, mm-hmm. has her cat, has her character assassinated and is once again, sacrificed at the altar of like nothing for nothing. For, I'm, make so, it, I'm so upset. I'm to literally make this, so upset. To make this guy, Tom, to make this Tommy character redeemable, but like there's nothing redeemable about him. I think I feel like it's they keep doing it to try to like make the audience feel better about the fact that he's a creeper, but like no, like <laughs> or to make yeah to make anybody right. who has like sense who's watching this feel better, but like it, it's just it's a hard no, um, it's a hard hard no. Right, the fact that he um, he didn't have anything to do with Angie's death. Um, and I can't even say he had nothing to do with it because Portia did what she did in an attempt to hurt Tommy. She thought he would be driving the car because he divorced her for Angie, right? Just because Tommy is not guilty for this and he's not like a murderer doesn't mean that he's still not like a predator and a creeper. <laughs> like right. one doesn't cancel out the other. And And even worse about it is that like, when they recount that story and Tommy talks about, he alludes to the fact that he only married Portia because he wanted, like, in with Darius, which is even uglier, which is, an, which, I mean, just when you think it's in, and it's in storylines like that and, like, developments like that where I'm just, like, nothing but contempt for Black girls. Like, because I mm-hmm. don't understand, like, because, uh, like, to even just add that layer of, like, Tommy only even got with Portia not because, like, he legitimately, like, liked her, loved her, or felt anything. Not that Tommy is some prize, but, like, clearly the show has decided that Tommy is a prize. The sort of romantic hero only got with this Black girl because, like, you know, he just, like, needed something from her brother. It's just so, it's so freaking ugly. I mean, when we first entered to the Tommy Portia situation, like in season one, when we learned that she's his ex-wife, she did say, you know, like, we were kids, we were young, we were in love, we did whatever we had to do. But like, the more we learn about Tommy's character, especially his life post, um, you know, his boy band, it definitely alludes that like, yeah, he was attracted to Portia, but marrying her was definitely a move to get close um, to Darius. And one remark that I had about the Tommy character and the way that, like, 
my perception of him and my opinion of him never improves, um, Tommy never has to make amends. Anything that Tommy felt guilty for, it turns out he was never guilty of it in the first place. Yay. He never has to be accountable. Right? Right. So we get to this 18th birthday party. My next favorite song from the series, Love to Burn. That's my Um, top favorite. Oh, (laughs) yeah? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Love to Burn is my top favorite. And I just, I'm just mad that all these great songs are about Tommy, but proceed. So there's this 18th birthday party and like the whole, th- the whole thing <laughs> in this horrible 18th birthday party, Jude and Tommy are like, oh, we're going to tell people official like we're dating, which is like, <laughs> so right, gross. They were recording like just prior to this and like, her dad even demanded that she tell Sadie what was going on. Because Sadie's still in the dark here. Like, she knows Jude has a crush on Tommy. And there's, like, you know, breadcrumbs being dropped. But, like, she legit doesn't know that they're together. And her dad's like, you got to tell your sister. Right. So uh, so she's like, we're going to tell anybody. And then Jude changes her mind. And she's like, no, let's keep it on the low. I don't want to tell people. And... <sighs> everything that we just talked about with the, with the hunter and the, 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 this stuff happens. And then also, and then in episode nine, Jude finally like comes clean with Sadie by this time, Sadie, like quest is like really sweating Sadie. He's like really into her. Sadie is on some real stupid shit. (laughs) That's my note. Um, and it's unfortunate. So then Tommy gets like crazy, like wasted, because he's Tommy and he's full of drama. And then just to amp up the drama just a bit more, Sadie, like, kisses Tommy while he's, like, drunk. Um, and Jude sees, and it's it's a whole thing. Yeah, and she ends up, um, I believe she ends up leaving her birthday party with Jamie um, after she walks in on that. But to her credit, Sadie, you know, says, you know, tells Jude, like, I kissed Tommy. Like, he did not initiate the kiss. Um and that she realized when she kissed him that she was over him. Like, she was basically just romanticizing the, this former relationship. And that she was in love with um, Quest, um, who who breaks up with her when, um, when uh, she does this. But um, in episode 12, she makes a grand gesture for Quest, and she gets her mind right. <laughs> she gets her mind right. And, like, listen, Quest was right to break up with her. So right, because Quest didn't deserve any of this. Not he did not deserve a single ounce of this drama. This is not what he's about. Listen, I love Quest so much. <laughs> Listen, um, it's it's facts only. Like he's like the only like legitimate. Legitimately, he's the only character on this show that has like true integrity. We're gonna get even deeper into it uh, in a minute. So when Jude runs away from her birthday party, she runs a. Because Jamie has this whole come to Jesus with this new character, Pagan, in a storage locker, which I don't care about. But um, when Jude sort of, like, runs away from her 18th birthday party with Jamie, they run away together and hang out in her, like, little workspace that she has. And she's Jamie's in his suit because he, he was coming to her birthday party. And she's in her dress. And... They play like this, like slow music and they, and it's sort of like a montage of her and Jamie hanging out in this workspace and they film them in slow motion and, and it's, the frame is like lit in like blue and it's, it's supposed to be like very intimate and romantic and you're, mm-hmm. I, as the viewer, you're supposed to take that from it. 
very intimate, romantic and secret. And like, you know, they're running away together. Um, but it doesn't hit. Right. Um, it, it, it doesn't at all because we know what she's doing. She's falling into that old pattern. Tommy fucks up or Tommy hurt me. So I have to, so I have, I have to go to Jamie for comfort. It's like you said, she goes to Jamie for unconditional love and support. Um, you know, in episode 13, they go to the school dance together and Tommy is jealous of Jamie gross. And Vince basically like warns her like, like for real girl, please stop playing with Jamie's heart. <laughs> that Jamie gets a dry ass kiss. Oh. And it's mm. ugly. Jamie and the dry ass kiss and then this run away with me sequence. It doesn't hit because because of what you said, but also like I understand what the writers are trying to do. Um, they're trying to build this like love triangle, but it's like way too little too late. Right. And OK, let's talk about love triangles for a minute. It's only a love triangle if our heroine can is actually has romantic and sexual feelings for both parties let's talk about love triangles done right tvd's love triangle of elena stefan and damon that's a love triangle done right jane the virgin's triangle of jane michael and Raphael. these are love triangles done right like the guy that you reserve as like basically the equivalent of a safety school is not an appropriate love triangle liza and charles and josh Yes, that's another great love triangle from Younger. Um, This right here is not a love triangle. And I point it out because it's a failing on the show. Um, I feel like the show was trying to... I feel like this love triangle was something that the show was was trying to build. Like, um, in that... Because she does date Jamie, right, at the beginning of season two. Um, Here, at the end, at the sort of tail end of season three, you know it's sort of like a comeback around like I, I I can see they are really trying to set this up but like they failed it doesn't work I'm sorry listen I'm of the school of don't try do because the first time she goes running to Jamie um you know at the end of season one when he declares his feelings for her was after it was the first time Tommy had fucked up when you have this person going back to a partner or a prospective partner because a person they actually want to be with isn't acting right that's not an appropriate love triangle now if you have a person who is actually psychologically torn between two people that they want in equal measure that is an appropriate love triangle (laughs) right Right. And they're, they were trying to do the latter. They did the former. Um, uh, really quick, season three, episode 12, No Shoes, No Shirt. Uh, this is Karma's song. It's the ultimate sugar baby anthem. It's one of my favorites uh, for the run of the series. It's a great song. You should listen to it. It's amazing. It is a really good song. Um, great song, you guys. Um, Karma songs are are kind of bops. I'm not gonna lie. She does that pop R and B thing, which is which is definitely gained traction in the early 2000s in a major way. So she look look at her pioneering and shit. Um, one of the highlights of season three is that in episode 13, Karma and Speed get fake married for publicity, and then they realize that that shit was real. Um, they yeah. got a real marriage license, and it's a real ordinator, so they're really married, and they decide to stay married, which 
it, it definitely gave me some like Nick and Jessica reality show vibes. And we'll get into that in season four, but it's actually a cute sequence. And this kind of like get married first, get to know each other later usually ends in like in like triumph or tragedy and for them it's a little bit of both so that was really cool to watch season three ends with a sort of like so basically g major is like in flux the the future of the label is is unknown and jamie has made inroads with this this pagan person who is supposed to be i think um, I don't know his rock equivalent, uh, but he's supposed to be somebody very famous. Um, but let's say he's like a Mick Jagger adjacent figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and this pagan person has agreed to give Jamie like a million dollars to start his own indie label with mm-hmm. Jamie at the helm of A&R. And he's asked, Jamie has like, you know, romantically asked Jude to, to come with him, to be with him be on his label since nobody knows what's going to happen to G major. It ends with Jude singing on the rooftop. uh, Another one of my favorites in the run of the series, where does it hurt? Great song. That's how season three ends. So what was season three for you? Good, bad, or basic? (sighs) Basic. (laughs) All the Tommy drama. And then Mm -hmm. also, and it's basic because it's you can I can really see the holes, the big holes in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, season three was basic for me too, and literally I'm basing this solely off the treatment of Portia. You know, we had this Angie character who was alluded for two whole seasons to have committed suicide over Tommy mis- Tommy's mistreatment of her. And it turns out the car crash that killed her was not intentional on her part, but that Portia had put it into motion. Um, G Major suffers because Darius covered up for his sister's crimes. That entire storyline was re-fucking-diculous. It was. I, I, I have that in my notes. The, the Hunter so, stuff is dumb. So, yeah, it, 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 it's definitely right there in the middle of basic and just flat out bad. Let's jump into season four. Also 13 episodes. This is our last season. And we um, we jump into Karma and Vincent on their newlywed reality show that they got from MTV last season. Right. Um, we also, uh, and our opener um, is, because it's dumb, although it's dumb, like the whole thing is like, who did you choose, Tommy or Jamie? We already know it's Tommy. <laughs> um, like, gosh, God, you don't know how much I wish it could have been Jamie, but no, it's Tommy, of course. Um, and but the opener, the opening song is another one of my favorite favorites in the series, Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet is a great song. I'd probably put that in my top five of the Incense Star songs. Um, but it's, yeah, top two are definitely Love to Burn and White Lines. Ooh, another song that everybody should check out. Uh, it The music of it is featured on Incense Star, um, like the track, but we don't hear the song song. Uh, it's by Corey Lee. It's called Lover's Holiday. Ooh, it's... Mm. Mm. It's Chef's Kiss. It's a really great track. Everyone should take a listen. Yeah, and Corey Lee plays Karma, by the way. Um, yes, Corey Lee plays Karma. So now we've had uh, Jessica and Nick, or like references to Jessica and Nick on Instant Star in Nashville. And I'm like, huh, Jessica and Nick were really like super prolific. Like that shit really like went around the world, I guess. We, we get to know more about Karma. So this is what bugs about the Karma character for me. Is that like, I like Karma, but like... 
where was all this energy with Cat? Like, this could have really been Cat's plot. I think that's okay. why I just feel the type of way. Girl, you already know what it is. Is Karma black? No, she's not. <laughs> that's the answer to your question. I hate that's it. The answer it's to your true, question. but I hate it. Um, it's so <laughs> upsetting. Uh, it's amazing how as soon as you take out the melanin, they learn how to treat women right. But okay, that's what I'm saying. And it's like she's Asian. She's like she looks like what Filipino. Like it, it's uh, literally I'm not anything. sure she's Filipino or Korean or what, but she's definitely Asian. She got like uh, um, Asian parents. We meet them in season two. I mean, episode two of season four. Or um, like so. you, it just it has to just not be a black girl, and suddenly people know how to act. I hate it. It really it bugs. Oh, Tommy and Jude are gonna have sex or something. Whatever. They're like there's they're having this whole like conversation about like. So when Karma like implies that Jude is not a virgin, we do find out at the end of the episode that she actually that she is a virgin. Tommy's gonna be Jude's first. Jude is like sort of having all this sort of like mental hangups because because of all of Tommy's hoes. But I'm just like, girl, you knew what this was when you signed up. Yeah. Right. But then I, I I feel bad for saying that because she's been groomed. I just I hate all of it. I hate all of it. That's the point. I mean, groomed or not groomed, let's say she had met Tommy when she was 18. The facts still stand. He's eight years older than you. Believe me, he's been with people besides you. <laughs> like, I think it was a bit naive of her, especially considering that he was in a boy band, to think that, like, you know, his body count was a really, really low girl by. Um, and her sister's included in the, the roster of people he slept with, which is extra cringe. It's extra cringe. But they have sex in episode one. And, I hate you know, it. I hate it so fucking much. You don't understand, you guys. When I tell you, and I can't stress this enough, that the Vincent Karma storyline is what saves season four for me. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding, you guys. It's the only thing that I could like get behind without wanting to vomit. We learn Karma's um, real name, or not real name, but first name, Jennifer. She had her Jennifer. name legally changed when she went on Instant Star. So Karma oh. used to be Jennifer. And the show, Rockstar Newlyweds, pays for a marriage, like a real marriage ceremony, a televised ceremony for them, um, which is cool. Karma gets Sadie to be her maid of honor. Honor. Sadie catches the bouquet. There's lots of cool shit going on in um, season four surrounding the couple that just feels fun. Like it, it, it feels like what I feel like a lot of season one should have felt like, where you're just like falling into the celebrity lifestyle and like drinking up all the partying and all the fun, which we never really got to see Jude do, but we get to see Vince and Karma do, which would have been solved or could have been so much better if. They had just kept Kat, like, <laughs> just, and they kept her as an R&B singer. Because the thing that I do like about this Karma Vincent story, um, talking about what she said, is that I really do like the fact that Karma has a sort of instinct to work the machine of the industry. Whereas, you know, Jude sort of just writes songs and goes home. Um, Karma has an instinct and knows that there is like a bigger media game to be played. Um, and I like that. I don't think the show takes that position. I think, the, in fact, I do think the show, the show sort of codes to you that karma is dumb and karma, like, is lesser than Jude because she cares about this sort of, like, fame game, but, um, which is a failing on the show. 
Um, but I like that she does. I think it's as a viewer, um, or just as a specific individual audience viewer, that is actually a really interesting part to me. And I wish that the show would have taken that like a bit more seriously. Right. It definitely portrays um, karma as a less than and frames her as some sort of opportunist for trying to garner publicity and media attention around her career, which is ridiculous. Um, Yes, there are instances where karma takes shit too far. But for the most part, what she's doing is what she should be doing as a rising artist, Um, especially in this era. Right. Early 2000s. You need you need those clicks, you need those views, you need those engagements, you need that viral video, you need that interview, you need that good cover or sample that's going to set you apart. And, you know, she really does try to play the game. And uh, the show, um, I won't say they directly punish her for it, but they do, like, they do these call-outs via Jude, via Speederman, um, that, like, you're doing too much, Karma. But she's not, though. And they... And they do it also via, like, um, Jude, Tommy, and Karma are going to be the judges on the new Instant Star, right? Mm-hmm. And they sort of, I guess, punish her by, you know, Jude and Tommy sort of ha- get this, like, huge, big reception, right, from mm-hmm. the people at the press conference. And when mm-hmm. Karma walks in, everybody's just like, ugh, Karma, yeah they were they were trying to treat our girl like she was paris hilton or somebody and i was not fucking with it um it's not okay the more i think about cat the more upset i get but also the more i realize how like disingenuous it was to even have her on the show in the first place it was like they had this black girl character on the show just so people could they could say that they had a black girl same with portia and then they got rid of them in these nonsensical or or um, character assassinating ways. Like we had two black girls on the show. This is just what happened to the characters, which is arguably worse than not having had any black characters at all. In episode four, we get this person who will be revealed to be Pagan's daughter, and the person is Tatiana Maslany, the lead in Orphan Black. Uh, I knew her face looked familiar. I had no clue who that was. (laughs) Um, I had totally not remembered that she was on this show. So it was, it is awesome. It was awesome, awesome to see her. Also, Manny Santos. Right. Cassie Steele is on this, but not as herself, like Aubrey and Stacey were. She plays a character called Blue, who um, is, was from Instant Star and is trying to come up as well. And, um, Blue is also a character that they do kind of dirty um, for just for weighing her options. Basically, she doesn't know if she wants to go with Jamie and and um, Pagan's label NBR or G Major Records, and she's basically like shut out of both because she couldn't make up her mind fast enough. <laughs> so let's talk about Jamie for a minute. The Jamie and his new indie label thing. So in episode, so episode three is essentially dedicated to. Jude has officially chosen Tommy and she lets Jamie know and Jamie in an unexpected show of maturity tells Jude that like, I respect your decision, but I am a person who is in love with you. And you are a person who made me think that you could be in love with me too, but you're not. And you didn't choose me. And because of that, I need space. I need for there to be some distance. What does Jude do? She just steamrolls over all of that. Um, (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, it's really selfish. Um, Jamie has wanted her for so long. And regardless of how you feel about his feelings for Jude, like, they are real. They existed. She was made aware of them back in season one. Like, this back and forth that she was doing with with Jamie and Tommy was heartless. Like, if you need, like, a placeholder guy, get literally anyone else but your best friend. And, like, when I say that, like, Jamie's her Xander, like... Jamie is not at Xander levels because Buffy didn't lead Xander on, you know, back in season one, when Jamie and Kat were dating, Jude turned a very territorial corner. She was going out of her way to basically prove that she was going to be number one in Jamie's life regardless. Also, what really differentiates them is, you know, Buffy let Xander know at every turn that it was Angel and nobody else. Jude did not do that. Jude was not like, it's time. Jude let, she did give him that dry ass kiss, right? Uh, Right. Jude gives Jamie the dry ass kiss. Jude does, you know, say the words in season two. She does say the words like, you are my boyfriend. She does lead him on in a way that sucks. And he is not crazy for feeling like there is, or could have been something really real between them. And she needs to let him go. And the show punctuates that point in the most dramatic way possible <laughs> that episode was so fun i'm not even gonna lie like i was like this is some really great writing like she still don't des- deserve to like be integrated in his life again so quickly but that's great writing jude invites jamie to this this party and because she wants everything to go back to the way it was she wants everything to quote unquote be normal again basically there's a whole hijinks with the roof and jamie ends up on the roof <laughs> of her house and Jamie slips is about is is sort of hanging over the edge and Jude grabs his hand. Jamie looks behind him and and can see that there are people at at the bottom who are going to catch him. And Jamie looks at her and he's like, you have to let me go. And she goes, no, I can't. I just can't. And he goes, seriously, Jude, let me go. And then she goes, no, 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 I don't want to give up. Like I can't. And Jamie's like, you need to let me go. And then she does literal and metaphorical he's gonna be just fine without jude um there was another scene that i loved in episode three um so they go public and she's or episode four excuse me and she's on like a talk show and she starts jumping on the couch was obviously obviously a throwback to the tom cruise jumping on oprah's couch when he was dating katie holmes right Right. Which is funny. I'm like, this shit is hilarious. But it was like, they really pulled some of their more clever episodes here in season four. Um, So let's talk briefly about um, the friend turned stalker, Megan. I liked it in the sense that, like, it it felt clever because it felt like it was a callback to, like, Stan. Like, the Mm -hmm. Eminem song. Mm -hmm. It felt like an offshoot of that. And it also, and I liked it and I guess it was good because it sort of, it contextualized how famous Jude was getting uh, to even like get to like, to now have like stalkers and stalkers locking you up in basements and stuff and all this craziness. Um, And I, and I liked that um, it felt like it was a comment on how entitled fans can be, but as a whole, like I, I don't know that I was about it. I liked the this plot for all the reasons that you just stated. 
Um, I thought it was a really great addition to the show because some of these other subplots, like the Hunter character, the Portia character, were truly and honestly just there to bolster the Tommy character, which I didn't like. But I thought this was super well done. Um, And the forcing Jude to write a song was, for me, a very obvious shout out to the movie Misery, where when Kathy Bates keeps Paul's character hostage, she forces him to write a novel for her. Um, and she even composes the same way at first, like a friend, like a caring person, um, mm-hmm. which I thought was, I thought was really, really, really cool. Um, and the song 2AM, I'm not gonna lie, I thought trying to release the song was super gross, but the song itself, definitely in my top five. Same, um, same. <laughs> Listen, you know, you know why I didn't like this, uh, this Megan plot is because, or the, the, the stalker plot is because she comes in way earlier. Like, right? Uh, it's mm-hmm. not like one day she just comes and she kidnaps her. Or we see that this person has been stalking her from afar. Um, has been stalking her from afar. And uh, she kidnaps her. And listen, and maybe... And I know what I'm about to say is probably me beating a dead horse. I don't care. Um, so Megan comes in at this place where Jude, like, really needs a friend. Right? Because she's... Jamie's gone. Tommy and her continue to be a lot of drama previously due to, like, his mo- like he his mother has uh, Alzheimer's and he has, like, a really horrible family life and, and that happens. Um, but Jude, like, just really needs a friend. And I, and I guess I was just, like, annoyed <laughs> that I have to, like, deal with this whole new person instead of just Jude relying on these friends that she's already made. Because, like, whatever happened to Mason, right? Right, what happened to Mason? And, you know, like, Speederman is literally right there. Right there. And in all the ways that matter, he is her best friend. Um, We didn't really need a new friend character. Um, But, you know, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I, I can get behind that. Like, just introducing new characters for the sake of introducing new characters was probably stupid. Um. And I think that's why making her a stalker was probably a better use for her. I'm going to be honest. Something I want to say really quickly, Quest moves into the Harrison household and Quest polishes Sadie's shoes. He takes out the trash. He cooks. He goes to work and does his job. And then he rubs Sadie's feet Mm -hmm. because she's been in heels all day day at his job while he could be on his lunch break. And this bitch still is like on some dumb shit. When I tell you, had that been me, all the lyrics to cater to you would be in my Twitter bio. Like, I... <laughs> right. You would have to in some dumb shit. Like... I would be quoting, like, all the whole tips, like, be his rib, sis, be his helpmate, build your man, nation build. Because on top of this, she, she's getting her back blown out every night, and he looks great in a towel. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, listen, I'd be out here like, you must, you, you must honor your man. You have to lift up our kings (laughs) every single day. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been out here like, you know, I just believe in, you know, I just believe in making my man his plate. Like I'm really traditional. Right. Like, you know what, what, like, you know, I'll be like, you know what, fuck feminism. What we need is to build as a people. Um, If your man cooks you breakfast, cook him dinner. If he rubs your feet, rub his back. It's about reciprocity. (laughs) 
Listen, you don't know how just, fast I would have quit my job and had him a couple babies. You don't even right? push them out. But like, let's go. Let's do this. But no. And this is another thing that they do that I don't like. Basically, they they frame it that 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 quest is too accommodating. It's annoying to Sadie. And then they tried to like imply this really gross Darius and Sadie attraction. What, what yeah, the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> she was pretty much like Dawson's mom in this situation, right? You had your good man right there at home looking good, doing everything he should, but you cheat for what? Well, what? <laughs> what? What did that get you? Did you get the clicks? Did you get the like? Did you get the did you get the divorce settlement? Like what, bitch? What? And she wasn't even trying to social climb at G major, right? So like what was even the reason of this whole Darius counterplot? Like Right? Like, I mean, I know like earlier Sadie is essentially because I mean I do I guess I I do empathize with her in that way because before Liam sort of takes off to wherever he goes, um Liam, who is introduced as like a, an executive at G major in like season two-ish. She does bring it up to Liam like, hey, I work the front desk. I do your PR. I do all this stuff. You need to fork up the cash and pay me. Um, and she she just try to make that case for herself and that she's like, listen, like, get somebody, get like a real person to come in here and do like the, the admin work and pull me up to my proper title which is PR which I've I've already been doing that's fair and I feel that for her but other than that like I'm just like yeah like she's not she's not been shown as like the social climate person so it doesn't really make any sense right and they break up in the ugliest way they're at some spa weekend and they're doing like a couple's exercise and all their shit gets put on blast on front street <laughs> right but you know what Quest didn't deserve. Yeah, they did Quest dirty. Quest didn't deserve that. Just a lot of things. Um, we never saw Shay again, which was sad because I thought that he should have been a recurring character. He's an artist. Um, we didn't even get to see um Eden again. Um, like her her rival and the instant star runner up back when Jude was competing. Um, which I mean, if you're trying to throw in a villain, you could you could recycle that villain very easily instead of right. villainizing our other people. <laughs> it's weird it's not weird i guess it's just what it is but like it i clocked that it's it's weird that they're happy to have um the women of color antagonize jude but like they drop the they drop the white girl antagonist very quickly Right. And Jude was like, a, like Eden was a real adversary for Jude. Cause when we come into season one, even though Jude wins instant star, it's Eden's upcoming album. That's getting all this press. Um, so there's a lot of like feelings there. And then she learns that Shay, Shay was cheating on her with Eden. Um, Eden doesn't ha- harbor any good feelings for um, Jude in season one. They get into a fight at Darius's pool party. And, you know, even um, the the villainizing karma, which was appropriate back when it was happening in season three, when I think about characters, for instance, like Hunter um, or like Megan, did their storylines make sense? Yes. But especially in the case of Hunter, what purpose did it serve except to bring Tommy and Jude closer together? That's what that's what this is really about. Um, that's why I keep throwing new people at us. But 
Um, Quest confronts Darius and quits in um, episode 13. Tommy proposes to Jude and then learns, Jude learns very quickly um, that he, he, he's done with the rock star lifestyle. He wants a normal life, but her career is just getting started. And she does the smartest thing that she's done this entire fucking show. (laughs) Our girl goes to London without Tommy. Yeah. She tells him that she's not marrying him and that she's going to go to London and she's going to be famous. And, and, and listen, like, so this would have been part of what, could have made this show really satisfying for me personally would would have been have cat like i said like i said in the beginning take that r&b let cat be an r&b girl let her go on tour with shay and become crazy famous and then she never comes back because the because the big like london label comes and they're courting her and they're like we want you to come da 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 it would have been so awesome for cat to like show up in all of her R&B pop star, world famous recording artist, Glory, and be like, and like, turn her glasses down at Jude and be like, "Hey, stranger, what are you doing? Come, like, come on and like, let's get on the road." Like that could have been like a really satisfying ending. You know, Jude being so excited to like see her friend that she hasn't seen in like a really long time, and then realizing like her and her friend are gonna like get out here and like fucking take over the world. Like that would have been so great, so satisfying her leaving Tommy in the dust and instead like I don't know they don't do that because I don't know whatever I don't care yeah I totally agree with that that would have been a great way to do it especially if you did not want her on the show as a long-term supporting character she could have been in a recurring role at the end of season one right right um hell you could even turn that fashion thing into something she was a fashion designer she's designing for somebody they heard her sing next thing you know cats out here getting signed there's so many ways that you can turn that because we do have a lot of artists who also dabble in design. Um, so that's not like a stretch of the imagination. And when we say we you need to treat black girls better, that doesn't necessarily mean that she has to be part of the principal cast. But the way that um, um, Kat's character arc was handled was completely atrocious. Um, that's my personal read, right? Is like, I would have, okay, so you... Because I get it. You have these three best friends and maybe you understand what you want to do with the two, but you can't really figure out three. That's a way to get her out. And then once you're sort of culminating in this big sort of thing and and you you make the decision for Jude to choose herself, how awesome is it to then reinforce this idea of like female friendship and sisterhood by like having, you know, her sort of glamorous best friend come back for her, like to be like, it's you and me. That would be great. And I mean, um, because Judas, who she is and her involvement with Tommy, it would have made sense if Kat comes back into the picture and her glitz and glamour and be like, listen, you always said you wanted to be famous. That's what it means. Like, Tommy will always be here. Let's get it popping. Let's hit the road. Um, that would have been like a perfect um, ending for Jude and closure on the Kat character. But y'all didn't want to make you didn't want homegirl to be happy. It's OK. It's, it's okay. fine, it's, it's but that's fine. what it was. That yeah, you just didn't want her to be happy. Happy. <laughs> Other stuff. Tommy's a whole redneck from wherever the rednecks come from in Canada. So he's like the white trash of Montreal, um, like the the French Canadian region. Um, like he so basically like um, the um, the the Canadian equivalent of like a Cajun redneck. He goes back to like deal with his mom, who's like. His his siblings aren't like you know helping, um, and he goes back to deal with his mom, 
who needs professional care, by the way? Like, she's just at a point where she needs professional care. It's no longer, it's at a situation where, like, them trying to take care of her is, like, probably not in her best interest. And funny enough, it's actually, like, the first time that, like, I I don't think the show means it to be, but as a viewer, I'm just like, wow, like, Jude, you are really not equipped to, like, deal with this man and his family and, like, this life. Jude comes, but she can't, Jude can't do anything except be like, "Mm, I need you to write a song. Had she brought Sadie, Sadie would straighten all that shit out. (laughs) Right. You know, to Tommy's credit, Tommy didn't bring Jude. She invited herself. Sadie really would have, like, got everything together. But, um, you know, this was supposed to be, like, you know, her getting to know Tommy, the real Tommy, the man behind the mask. It doesn't make us want her and Tommy to be together any more than we did before. Like, just no. Stop it. And, you know, they could have left us with this ending. My girl goes to London and lives happily ever after. But they had to throw in this damn mini. We're not going to so, talk about that. I don't, don't watch I don't any acknowledge of the it. Star minis. minis. Yeah. <laughs> My, listen, I'm a big believer that, like, if it didn't air on the the show, it doesn't exist. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Like, don't watch the minis, you guys. Don't watch any of the minis. Don't watch any of them. They don't matter. I don't care. Um, As far as I'm concerned, Jude did the right thing, chose herself, and, and that's how this show ended. So, season four was fine. I think I'm actually gonna put season four on the side of good. Um, season four is still a basic for me, just on account of the the way that they tried to rip apart the Sadie Quest relationship. Uh, it, but on the high side of basic, because Karma and Speed was chef's kiss. Really, really great depiction, really great writing, really fun episodes. Um, like, low-key, I kind of wanted them to be our new protagonists. I'm not even gonna lie. Um, I was tired of Jude and Tommy's drama. I'm, I'm so tired of it. <laughs> for the series as a whole... I think there's a lot of good in this series. I think there are a lot of elements in this series that really work, that are really good. There are a lot of things that I like. I like the the chief among them being that, like, I like that they dig into the music business part of it. I like that they dig into the songwriting part of it. We didn't really talk about this, but, like, you know, Jude, you know, because of everything that happens with Tommy and his mom, Jude ends up producing her her record herself, and she fails, um, and the record's a flop. Uh, and I like that. I like that she fails. I like that she she has to work. I like the relationship between her and Sadie. There are, there are lots of good elements in this series. It's just that the things that were bad were, like, really, really, really bad. And we couldn't get away from them. They were in every we season. Yeah, and we couldn't get away with them. They were... the the. The things that were bad were really bad, and they were baked into the foundation of the show. That's right. what 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 killed it, especially the songs in Instant Star and how the songs are integrated within this show in series is an element that really really works. Getting an actress who can actually really sing, I don't think Instant Star works as well as it does. If you got like a, a Connie Britton or even a Hayden Panettiere, even though Hayden Panettiere, I think, did like a good job. I think you really have to go to the mat and really work to find an actress who can actually sing. Mm-hmm. Um, the premise of Instant Star, because this Tommy Jude relationship is integrated in the foundation and it is, you know, portrayed as early as season one as Endgame is deeply problematic. Um, so for me, Instant Star was like 
it had moments of greatness, Vince and Karma and Jamie um, doing A&R and running his own record label were great. The rest of it was super basic. The music is what really keeps the show from being bad for me. I don't know what the laws are in Canada, but none of this shit is okay. <laughs> um, these teenagers dating grown folks, why? Why did it have to happen? Shay was right there. Um, um, Jamie was right there. Vince was right there. There's a bunch of other teenage boys doing pop. They could have got her a little, um, I don't know, fucking Jesse McCartney type, if that's what she needed. <laughs> I think if you're a writer, this is worth a revisit. Because I, because like I said, I think there are a lot of elements that really, really work in terms of thinking about if you're, tr- if you were like working on a premise like this and you were trying to craft something similar, there are a lot of elements that the show does that wor- that works. And not to just like from a structural standpoint, in terms of how they set up the episodes and, and where the songs come in. Cause usually you have the songs. Cause I, I also really love that the songs correlate very specifically with whatever the theme of the episode is, which is something that I think got lost in Nashville. Nashville sort of felt like uh, they were just like, we got to have these songs because these people are artists. Whereas instant star, I think does, does do a really good job of like each song is connected thematically to whatever is going on within the episode and it never loses sight of that i think uh the structure of this show is really good it's the story that has the most problems an 18 year old and a 23 year old who are soulmates um and they're waiting on each other is a trash ass can't like i like i i i like I said, the music is very good and and it's it's so good that it keeps the show from being bad to me. Tommy and Jude are endgame. Tommy and Jude are meant to be. Everybody knows that Tommy is the one for Jude. It's just it's 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 gross and like it I can't even like fully dive into the individual episodes or seasons without constantly being reminded that this creepy older dude is, you know, pining over her and she's pining over him. And I'm just like, can we not? (laughs) Right. Fair. Um, Character assassinations of black girls. That's like another big, huge bone I have to pick with this show. They do a lot of great things with their budget, which I thought was very creative and very, very fun. They do a lot of great things with Jamie. I think he gets like a really great, great arc. I think Vince and Karma get a really great arc. The sabotage of Sadie and Quest's relationship literally made no fucking sense to me. So that's why the show for me is just like a solid basic because the good is great and the bad is a clusterfuck. (laughs) There you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made Instant Star good, bad, basic, and totally bingeable. If you'd like to check Instant Star, the complete series is currently streaming over on the Instant Star YouTube channel. Please leave your comments below and let us know what you think of this series. If you're a patron on our top two tiers, be sure to check out the Instant Star YouTube playlist. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, leave us a review on your preferred podcast streaming platform and share this with your friends. And with that, The Good, The Bad, The Basic is officially going on holiday. Alex and I will be taking a two-week mid-season break. We hope that everyone who celebrates it is continuing to have a happy Hanukkah, and we'd also like to wish those who celebrate it a happy Kwanzaa. 
If we hope that you all have a joyous festive holiday season and a happy new year. GBB and season four Lights, Camera, Action will return on Thursday, January 16th with a recap of the NBC sitcom 30 Rock. If you'd like to check out the series before our episode airs, 30 Rock is currently streaming on Hulu. Patrons, we hope that you all enjoyed yesterday's Christmas-themed music video retrospective. Em and I won't be leaving you hanging, and we plan to keep on releasing bonuses for you during our break, starting with another movie review featuring the romantic historical drama Titanic. This episode airs next Saturday, January 4th. Also, make sure that you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at GoodBadBasicPod. We have two more surprise gifts waiting there for everyone, which will be revealed on New Year's Eve. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes with your friends. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.